Hey there, welcome to the Marketing Happy Hour podcast, where each week we're learning career-defining advice, powerful social media strategies, unique creative tips, groundbreaking influencer marketing tactics, and more from marketing experts that represent some of the world's leading brands. Let's dive in. Grab a drink and join your hosts, Cassie and Erica, for this week's episode. just off the record geeking out about today's guest. Alex Lewis, performance marketing specialist at Later, is joining us on the show. Later is one of our absolute favorite marketing brands literally ever. But anyways, you might be asking, what is performance marketing? According to Spotify, performance marketing is a type of digital marketing campaign in which the budgeting and decision-making are driven primarily by the measurable results of that campaign. Performance marketing is based on an active, iterative feedback loop. Run campaigns, see what works, double down, and repeat. Alex peels the curtain back on her role in performance marketing and key strategy and career tips she has for other marketers. She shares the importance of testing, building onto your strategy as you go, and which analytics to monitor when running campaigns. She closes out her interview with some mic drop advice for avoiding burnout. And don't we all need that? You ready to dive in? You know the drill, grab a drink, and let's get into it. Alexandra, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so, so excited to be speaking with you and to hear all about performance marketing. That's something that we haven't dived, you know, that much into on the podcast quite yet. Um, We both love the company you work for later. So we're really thrilled to have you on the podcast this week. But before we jump in, I have an important question for you that we ask all of our guests. And that is what is in your glass tonight? This is marketing happy hour after all. Yes. So it's actually three o'clock here. So I'm not quite onto the happy hour portion of the day quite yet, but I do have a coffee with a pumpkin creamer in the spirit of fall. Oh my gosh. What pumpkin creamer? (laughs) Is it from like Trader Joe's or something? No, I'm in Canada. So we don't have Trader Joe's, unfortunately. I knew that. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh good. It's like a special one. Um, pumpkin creamer and it's like sold out everywhere yeah I know that's still so good I over here there's like a viral video that's going viral on TikTok or viral sound um my go-to drink is a Negroni um but there's like a viral sound that's like Mm -hmm. Negroni Spagliato with a little Prosecco in it so I was like I have to like have that on the podcast um but (laughs) I did use the gin that one of our um, past marketing happy hour guest actually gave to me. Her name's Amy. So shout out to Amy. It's very, very good. And then also I have a, I don't know if you can see it, but it's like sparkling. Do you see how Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So there's this company called art of Sucra and they have like cotton candy. They're like a cotton candy luxury brand and they have cotton candy glitter bombs. And so it's like edible glitter. So I'm getting fancy over here. I I love it. Oh my gosh. Do they ship to Canada? (laughs) I don't know. That's a great question. We'll have to look that up. (laughs) But Alexandra or Alex, I would love to hear, you know, a little bit more about your background, how you got started in the agency world. What have been some of your favorite projects? And then what do you focus on now at later? I know that's a lot, um, but just a little bit of your background and what you really love to do. 
Yeah, for sure. So I'm based out of Vancouver, Canada, and I went to British Columbia Institute of Technology. It's a polytechnic university that's focused on trades, and I studied marketing, marketing communications there. So it's not like a traditional university where you take like English class and you focus on literature or a social sciences or anything like that. Like my English course was a communications course where we learned how to build our resumes and how to interview and how to write hard emails and stuff like that. So it really kind of sets you up for the business world. And that was a two-year diploma that I did. And right at the end of that, I did a three-month internship. It was a strategy internship at Cassette. It's a creative marketing and communications agency where I really got kind of like the foundation of looking into like user research and like the why behind we do it, like why we do everything in marketing, like understanding like the whole customer journey, where they're at at every single stage and like where the brand needs to come in at certain stages. So that really kind of set the foundation there. After that, a teacher and mentor of mine connected me to an agency owner who worked at a digital agency. She owned a digital agency called Patio. And yes, we did have a lot of happy hour meetings on patios. <laughs> you would have loved it. Love it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a very small agency um, and it was digital marketing focused. And that was not necessarily my focus in school, but that's where I learned everything I know about social media and digital advertising. I spent three over three years there and I wore every hat I could possibly find. I did like everything from social media marketing to copywriting, social ads, Google ads, account management, reporting. I built Shopify and Squarespace sites. I did influencer sourcing, on-site activation. I set up pixels for like Google Tag Manager. <laughs> yeah, I even bought newspaper ads at one point, which was no like, I think way. it was just an additional ask, but Love it was that. for a certain client and yeah, so essentially did everything under the sun there. And throughout that time, I was just reading later's blog because it's so focused on like how to, you know, how to show up on social and like all different strategies. And as someone who like only did like one or two digital courses in school, this was a really great resource for me to learn from. And I just like love their brand. So when I saw that they had a performance marketing role posted, I applied immediately and I've been here for the last year and a half. So that is yeah, it's been really exciting. So, so cool. Would you say that your agency experience, you know, having a hand in all of those different um, areas of marketing really prepared you or helped you understand what you kind of want to do in the future? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like it was kind of like I got to try so many different things out and understand, like, do I really like this? Do I want to run down this path and become more of a professional and like more expertise with this certain thing? Or like, do I not like this so much, but I have like a better understanding of like the full digital landscape as a result of it. So it like, honestly, it set the foundation for my career. Totally. I learned everything that I know from there and I can build off of that foundation with like new knowledge kind of thing. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I know a lot of the past guests that we've had on this podcast have also had agency experience and they always say that that's like the best place to start if you're not entirely sure what you want to do. Like that's just, you get such good experience from agency world, even though it can be a lot, it can be tough, but you know, you kind of just fall into place where you want to be. What attracted you to performance marketing or did you kind of just see that open and you were like, something I've done before, I'm totally in. Yeah, so I actually kind of fell more into this ad role in the agency job and I was doing a lot of 
Google ads for nonprofit clients because they have a Google ad grants program where they get $10,000 of search money every single month where they can drive traffic to their website and like cool. get more donations or sign up for their newsletter or anything that was going to help their nonprofit perform with access to funds that they wouldn't necessarily have. And I was also doing a lot of social ads. So through like meta or Pinterest and whatnot. So I found myself doing more of that focus and I originally had started doing like just social media management and like shout out to all the social media managers out there. It is such a hard job. It's like you're constantly shifting what you're doing and you don't necessarily know the answer as to why like something did really well or did really poorly. Whereas in performance marketing, there's an answer for everything. You can see it in the numbers. So I think the, the creative side of my brain and the analytical side of my brain just fused together in this like performance marketing love child that I just, I really like because there, again, there's an answer for everything and you can figure out why something's performing so well and then like pump the gas on that certain thing to get the results that you want. So yeah, I think that's kind of how it ended up here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. It, it is so, so true about social media management and like not ever knowing like if your next post is going to succeed, especially when you've got pressure from like higher ups going, why didn't this perform? Why did this perform? Like, and you have no idea. It's, it's crazy. So highly, Mm -hmm. highly like love that you're in performance marketing. Cause I feel like that is just so great. If you have like an answer for everything, like you said, um, I know our next question is like, what are some of your top performance marketing tips? I feel like that's so broad, but if someone's just like starting out in the performance marketing space, what are some of the key things to learn and make sure you develop a skill set in? Yeah. So this is going to be a long answer. I love it. End, so Let's go. Buckle in. <laughs> um, I think first of all, just like be a sponge, like learn as much as you can from your manager, experience growth marketers and, and, anybody else on your team, no matter if they're on like the paid team or if they're on the development team or customer success, like you'll, you'll get so much of a fuller understanding of paid just by learning the full spectrum of how everything works. So especially like I find from the team, I learned such a specific way of like how everything is working because it's specific to our brand and our tech stack. Obviously every company is going to have a different tech stack. They're going to have different challenges. So I found just looking on the internet for information, you get a lot of like very vague type things. And it's like very general and like maybe something you've learned in school already or something you might already know, but it's a little bit harder to learn from the internet versus learning from your peers and like your colleagues and your manager and whatnot. So I've learned so much from all of my past bosses or our colleagues or anyone. So I would say start there and like learn as much as you can book like monthly one-on-ones with them so you can pick their brain or you know, add add like development calls with your manager so you can focus on your development. All of those things are really good to start with. Um, The next thing would be um, past performance, like does not indicate current performance. So for example, like using the tech industry as an example, in 2020, so many tech companies saw the best performance that they're ever going to see. Because for example, with later, everyone is at home starting businesses and they need social media, like software to be able to run their business. So we saw crazy, amazing performance. And, you know, obviously it's 2020, we're going into recession. The, the market is completely different. What we did back in 2020 is not necessarily going to fly today. So it's about just knowing like, yeah, we run this ad in the past. It didn't work in this foundation or this market. It doesn't mean that it won't work or it might mean that it won't work again. So it's all about kind of like testing and under having an understanding of 
what's going on in the market to be able to understand if it's going to work or not for your for your team. Um, another thing is, con is things are constantly changing and just just to be on top of it and just know that like things are going to constantly change. So, for example, like if you're running ads on Google search, for example, um, another competitor can start bidding on your keywords and all of your costs, like your cost per conversion can just shoot right up and you have to kind of just be able to understand how you can manage that, whether that be like lowering your bids or like shutting your campaigns off for the moment if you if it's really like that bad and being scrappy with certain opportunities. Obviously, like there'll be times when like a certain opportunity pops up and you might not have the resources on your team to be able to like fully do like a full campaign, but understanding like what do we have? Can we like copy a certain campaign? Can we like, do we have existing assets? Do we have landing page copy that we can use for ad copy? Like it's all about just understanding like how you can be scrappy with it and being able to put something out and take like taking advantage of an opportunity. Um, another thing would be looking at the full experience of your customer user. So when you work in paid, uh, you are obviously one. I, I almost like look at it as like a relay race in a way where you have your own one team and then you pass the baton to the next team. Yeah. And the baton is the user and it's they're going along as as you go so paid might not be the first touch point might be the second one maybe like say like blog the, someone coming to the blog organically is our first touch point um, and then we retarget them later with an ad and we're sending them to the landing page it's understanding when they get that ad what happens where do we send them and with what kind of environment do we send them to so for example like if we're trying to get them to sign up for a free trial, ensuring that like the copy on the ad is similar to what's on the landing page. So we're not talking about two different things. So they don't get confused, making sure that there's something like a call to action button so that they can actually easily sign up. And it's like very clear to them, like what they're supposed to do, because if you're just spending money to send them somewhere where they get very confused, that's where you can see a lot of ad spend that gets lost and you lose efficiency there. So it's about that. And then also what happens, like once they sign up for the free trial, are they having a good free trial experience or are they dropping because like there's something that's missing? So it's even like looking two steps ahead to make sure that you're not spending money on something that's maybe needs a little bit of tweaking on another team's end. So that, cro that cross collaboration piece is so important and it all kind of comes back to the user experience. Like what do they need and like how can we fulfill that void kind of thing? And I'm like halfway through my list. So oh my gosh. I love it. You are literally <laughs> nailing it on the head. And I think you just need to keep going. I'm just going to sit back and okay. listen. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, next would be testing, like test, test, and then test again. You can test everything you can imagine. Like if we're running like a search ad, you can test different ad copies. You can test different keywords. You can test different landing pages um, with obviously with something like meta, you can test test different like ad creative, you can swap your ad creative, um, do a ton of different A-B testing. Um, even same with like location, you can target different locations and see like, am I getting a better like cost per conversion in like Canada versus US? Like should we shift more budget there? And it's honestly just about testing, testing, testing. Cause when you test, you learn more. And also understanding that when you do a test and it flops, it's not a reflection on your performance. Like. You, every test is like we don't know what's going to happen on the other end of the test and 
a negative test result is actually so important because it tells you like what you should not be doing and informs your future testing. So just continue to test as much as you can, because that's where you learn. If you stay the same, you'll never unlock those, like those big opportunities that could be making you a ton of different revenues. So continue to test and show your managers that you're testing um, because they will, they'll love it. And they'll think that you're super scrappy and you'll honestly unlock a lot of amazing insights that can, that can really like unlock the paid program. So that's super important. Uh, Another thing is when you're looking at like your ad channel mix. So for example, like we're running on like Google search, um, display, YouTube, meta, Pinterest, TikTok. We did not start with all of these. Like we, I think we started with Google search and it's about testing on one one ad channel and setting the foundations so strong there and not starting off with five, because as soon as you start off with five, then you have, it's almost like having like a bunch of chickens and they just running everywhere. And as one farmer, you're trying to keep all your chickens in a row and it's impossible. So it's better to just like set the stage with one, nail it, and then expand to something else. Make sure you have the resources because as soon as you don't have the resources to take care of these ad channels, that's where you can like overspend in places you're not supposed to be spending especially if you don't have the team to support you or you don't have an agency to support you. And you're like, say like you're a one or two person team. It's just knowing like what you're capable of doing because in a role like performance marketing, you do get a lot of questions when, you know, say performance is not very well, you will get the questions of like, where are we spending? And like, you need to know what's going on. So if you have too many ad channels, it can get out of hand. But again, when you're, when you're nailing your ad channels and you know exactly where spend is going and you know your strategy is strong and you have a testing framework and you're refreshing your ads constantly, that's when it's like a well-oiled machine, but it's something that you build on one by one. Like we just launched TikTok ads. We hadn't been doing that for since I started at least. So that's like our fifth ad channel that we've added on after many, many times. And we have the resources to support, to, to support that. Love that. Um, yeah. And second last one, um, keep reviewing what you're doing. This kind of goes hand in hand with your, with your ad channels. Always just be looking at your ads and like how they're performing, what audiences are, you know, um, engaging the most, which ad channels are performing the most. You have to know what's going on. Cause again, like you will get, this is a, this is a role where you get a lot of questions from your, your executive team, from investors, from the board. So knowing what's going on. And also it's a great way for you to understand like what we should be testing. So as soon as you're losing that, like knowledge of like everything that's happening, obviously it's hard to know everything that's happening as a single human who's running like a large paid program, but knowing enough about what's happening everywhere that you're able to then make plans so that you can like address issues or perform optimizations or really push when you're seeing really great performance. Um, ask yourself always like could this be improved with paid you can always squeeze more out of it so it's just about knowing like where you can squeeze and then the final thing is in this again in this role with paid acquisition it's very revenue and finance focused so we always prioritize ourselves based on like revenue impact so in a in a brand side role it's like it's very easy like you have tons of time what's the most important thing we prioritize ourselves based on like the revenue impact of a certain task and like what's going to, what's going to drive revenue. And like, if we launch on say like an ad channel, is it really great for brand awareness or is it actually going to drive revenue for us? So it's just asking yourself 
is this a fun idea because other marketers are doing it? And like, we want to be like, I don't know, like do a lingo on TikTok <laughs> or is it actually going to drive revenue for us? So there's a big difference. And it's hard when you come from social media because it's all fun and like brand awareness and impression and views and engagement focus to shifting over to like, is this going to make the company money? And is it efficient with the budget that we have? So those are my like... <laughs> that's my big long list oh my gosh that was uh, incredible if you were listening and you didn't just take notes on all of that pause this go back take some notes because that was incredible thank you so much for that (laughs) what tactics are you currently using to help later grow what does a day in your life kind of look like yeah so I can't really obviously give away our secret sauce because (laughs) everyone would copy paste but we're, like I said, we're currently running ads on Meta, Pinterest, TikTok, and Google. And Google includes search, display, and YouTube, as well as Microsoft ads. Um, we run a full funnel marketing strategy. And what that means for people who are listening is there's a top of funnel where you're fulfilling in new users who've never heard of your brand before. And then you have your middle of funnel people who are kind of considering your brand. And then the bottom of the funnel where these are people are the closest to converting. And all of these different ad channels have different roles within this full funnel marketing strategy that's designed to drive user acquisition and growth. So we do that, but really like we could not do the job that we do without the entire later team. It's basically one big growth loop in a way without the, like I always say like you can run the best ad in the world, but if the foundation sucks you'll never see any performance so without the entire marketing team like we have like a brand marketing team we have a social media marketing team we have so many different teams customer success happiness the development teams without all of them we couldn't be able to promote later at the standard that we're able to promote it so really like at the end of the day it's really just about listening to our customers and what they want for example like putting out new product features we just launched um, real scheduling, TikTok scheduling. People have been asking for that forever. Those are things that bring people back into the app. We do ad campaigns to remind people that, hey, we have this new feature to bring them into the app. So those are different little things that we do for growth. But again, like we always are trying to squeeze efficiency out of every paid program or every paid campaign that we do, but we need the rest of the teams to be able to make this, make this happen. Yeah, that's so important, especially like if one, you know, side of the team is not performing as, you know, the well-oiled machine that you chatted about, like it can affect the whole thing. Totally. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's chat a little bit about analytical reporting. What are some of the data points that you utilize with, you know, stakeholders or leadership to share how you're performing? Yeah. So like I said, we're measured based on revenue. So what that looks like for us is free trials and paid plan signups. So I'm constantly looking at um, like the cost per free trial, the cost per paid plan signup and looking at um, the lifetime value to um, customer acquisition cost ratio to understand if we're efficient or not. Generally, like for every tech company or every company in, in the world, it's kind of a three to one ratio. So it's kind of trying to get as close to three to one as you possibly can. Um, The higher you are, say if you're like five to one, you're leaving money on the table. If you're two to one, you're still money on the table for you to take. So um, it's about having this, like I talked about this funnel earlier and it's it's kind of like this big math equation. So if you hate math, maybe this is not the goal (laughs) for you, but it's understanding like what what is the 
cost per um, paid plan sign up for every campaign and how much money you're putting into that and how it kind of feeds into this overall like final number for the paid program. So always looking at that, but obviously there's other metrics in performance marketing or just in paid advertising that are super important, um, such as link clicks, um, link click through rate, cost per click, and then looking at even like the quality of those people coming to your pages. So like the time on page, you can see these through Google Analytics, um, pages per session, bounce rate. Um, some people even have like, they can see where people have gone on the, on the um, actual page. And then again, like those conversion metrics that I talked about. So those are, those are some of them, but again, like it's easy to, it, it depends on like your actual goal um, for your team. Like if we were focused on brand awareness, I would be talking about different metrics, but yep. because we're focused on conversions and like revenue and whatnot, this is kind of what I look at the most. That's awesome. And you mentioned Google analytics, aren't there courses out there that you can kind of take for free to better understand Google analytics? Yeah, I think Google actually offers a Google Analytics course, a certification so. of some sort. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That would probably be a great place to start if somebody is looking to like go mm -hmm. into the analytical side of things, because I know I had like one course on it. I think it might've been through like LinkedIn or something and mm -hmm. it opened a whole world for me. It's so funny. I keep seeing on LinkedIn, all these people posting, like, you have to understand I'm a, you know, all these emojis that are like creative marketer, not a, all these emojis that indicate like oh, analytics yeah. and like math and stuff marketer. And I'm like, that's so true. Like if you have never had the exposure to like analytics or things like that, it's such a different world. Like especially as you mentioned earlier, like coming from social, it is such a different world. I know when I was in a social media manager role, sure, we had like touch points on KPIs that we needed to hit and things like that. And we learned how to like measure that. But the majority of your time is spent on like content creation and then, you know, better understanding, of course, through analytics a little bit, you know, how things are performing because of the content that you're putting out. But like, for the most part, it's just creative, creative. So that is such, you know, just like the difference between the two is crazy. Um, I and I love, like, as you're, as you're like talking, I'm like, wow, I should really dive into that more. Cause I need to learn, <laughs> like, I need to learn even more, especially as you said, it's always changing. So love this, love this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, to be honest, it's hard to be like a full fledged, like yeah. all the way through marketer, like even when I was in my social media management days, there was days that I'm like, I was not so much a content creator, like social media manager. I was more of like a social media strategist mm -hmm. than like, you know, someone who like writes the copy and like plans the content and like plans the campaigns and whatnot, but actually like doing the whole like recording of everything. I was like, that was not like my strong suit. So it's so hard to be everything in marketing. So it's just easy to just focus on what you're, what you love and what you're passionate about and just run down that path. <laughs> Such good advice. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, what would you say are some of your like predictions for the future of performance marketing? What are you currently kind of testing? I know you mentioned testing a little bit or exploring. Um, what industry trends are you seeing? I know there's a huge focus right now on like emerging platforms. I guess TikTok is like no longer an emerging platform, but a lot of brands are still just catching up to it. I know you mentioned you guys just recently started doing some paid ads on there. So mm -hmm. what predictions do you kind of have around the future of performance marketing? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think we are seeing a lot of like more like content as ads. I think in the past it was very much so like static image, headline, yeah. CTA, 
click now buy my stuff yeah whereas now it's kind of like more like maybe brand marketing fused with performance marketing so i think we're gonna see a lot more like influencers as ads or like creators in ad content so mm -hmm. like that's something that i've just seen a lot um in terms of like new ad channels i know that be real doesn't have ads but oh. they they have to monetize at some point so mm -hmm. i'm sure that they will at some point everyone will be very yeah. bad but what is it um american eagle do you guys have that in canada <laughs> Yeah, we do. Okay. Uh, I like never know. Um, <laughs> we were talking earlier, you didn't have Trader Joe's. I don't know if you have American Eagle. You used to have Target. Do you have Target anymore? No, we kicked it out. Oh, sorry. I know. I, I don't know what happened. Because oh, we no. all loved it. So. I know. I so weird. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll come back. Yeah. American Eagle just, you know, launched on Be Real, I think. I saw that like maybe a couple of days ago. <laughs> I don't know what their strategy is. And I think. I saw like one be real that they did and it was like holding up a pair of their jeans. I don't know what the strategy is, but that is so interesting to me. Oh my God. I didn't know that brands, I guess it makes sense, but I didn't know that brands could like get on be real, but it's probably it kind like, of defeats the purpose. Yeah. It's probably either they had like internal conversations with be real to like try to be the first one on there or it's like through mm -hmm. an employee. Like, I don't know. It's very interesting to me. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, at some point, I know they're going to have to monetize because they have no monetization at this moment unless they have crazy investment backing. But yeah, I'm sure that there'll be new ad channels that pop up. And again, like it, it's up to you as like a, like a performance marketer to understand like, do is everybody just jumping on this bandwagon? And should we jump as well? Does it make sense for us? Is it efficient? Or like, should we watch how it plays out? Like that's kind of what happened with us with TikTok where we're watching how it was playing out for everyone in terms of advertising. They really still are setting up their advertising space. So it's still like new for advertisers, but not new for just like users kind of thing. Got it. In terms of like other, other things that are coming for performance marketing, obviously like, we all know that like we're coming towards like a cookie-less future. So in terms of like targeting with ads and like retargeting and whatnot, data privacy and like all that kind of stuff is be going to become a lot more complicated. I'm sure in the future, I know that there's certain like rules coming down the pipe or they have been for a while. So it's just on performance marketers to like stay updated on the conversation and just make sure you're setting up your company or you like whoever you're working for, um, for success so that you don't have a halt on all of your campaigns one day. So that's coming um, eventually. So looking forward to that. Yeah. That's so interesting, especially too like, everything in the metaverse and things like that it's so funny like I feel like whenever we try to talk about that I just don't have a good understanding of it and like I don't know any marketer that really does unless they're like day in day out like learning yeah. about it um, but that's probably an area too who knows <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah for sure the retargeting thing with pixels and cookies is, is gonna hurt the most like how am I gonna know that I still want the shoes that I looked at last night at midnight crazy Okay, Alex, because you're growth focused, I just thought it'd be fun to chat a little bit about some strategies that you could see working for marketing happy hour as we're trying to grow. We might be coming into some ad spend budget and we're just very excited to start putting more, you know, more marketing happy hour out there so more people can find us. What tips would you have for us? Yeah, for sure. That's super exciting that you're going to come into some ad money. That's, that's where you can really play and start to grow your brand. So 
So I would say start with something like Meta or Pinterest ads. Start again, start with one and then learn what you can from there. Learn from your audience there and expand onto the next one. Um, Meta and Pinterest are perfect for both of these. They're very like image focused. You can incorporate different videos. Like for example, like you're recording us on Zoom right now, you could always take a little clip of that. And people love these like raw edits. So it'd be a great little hook to get them to listen to the whole podcast. Um, and then even if you had like a little website, no matter what that was, you can drive traffic there and get people to sign up for an email newsletter. And then you can start another kind of growth loop through your email newsletter there. So just a little, couple little tips for you. Yeah, I love that. I, I think so in one of my past roles, we used later, I like made them transition over to later. because I was like, this <laughs> is amazing. It's so easy to use. And it's just like, visually appealing which is important to me and it's also got yeah, it's it so also important. yeah yeah it also really has like good analytics and like a really good grasp on like all the tools that a social media manager or even just any marketing team who's putting content out there needs so anyway just a little plug for later there um but I remember using like the link in bio feature how does that does that do you have any like ads out there that you guys put out there about the LinkedIn bio feature or is it kind of just like there? No, we actually put out a ton of ads about LinkedIn bio because sometimes people don't know that LinkedIn bio is later. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's kind of like acts with its own like standalone product. So people, people don't know what it is. So we'll constantly promote like have your own like mini website, LinkedIn bio, because people always see like hit the link in my bio and they know yeah. that they know that saying, but we just kind of have coined it with the product. So we'll constantly run ads about LinkedIn bio and then they come to the page and like, oh, they're a social media marketing platform. And then they, you know, learn more about later. They sign up for the newsletter. They enjoy the blog. It always like, there's always some sort of one touch point that brings them in. So mm -hmm. sometimes that's LinkedIn bio. And sometimes people only use LinkedIn bio. Like they don't want to schedule. They just want the LinkedIn bio. So, oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, Alex, shifting gears just a little bit, what are some of your ultimate career goals? Where do you kind of see yourself in five years or so? I know that's like the most cliche question ever. Like I never, I never like when somebody asks me that, but if you have any insight or any like career aspirations, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. So I'm going to be so honest here and probably expose myself a little bit, but I'm convinced that there's probably some people out there that feel the same way as me, but I honestly just chase opportunities that feel right to me in the moment. I'm Good. so big on intuition and chasing what's right for you in that moment. Like I'm a constantly evolving person and I can't expect the person in five years to be the same as like what I am now. Um, what I do know is like, I have a foundation set to succeed in my career. And I just have to trust that I've done the work to get me to where that I need to be. And I can change it at any time. Like, for example, like, I was wanting a change when I worked at the agency and I was a huge later fan and loved their branding, loved their marketing, loved like the values that they promoted as a company. And I saw that they were hiring for a role in performance marketing. And to be honest, like when I applied for the job, I had this like voice in my head that was like, this is your job. Aww. So yeah, it's so crazy. Right. So I'm just, I'm not a big, like five-year, 10-year planner. I never have been. And it's always kind of been like, a little bit of like a fear of mine. People ask me this question. I'm like, oh my God, like, is it not career oriented to like not have a, you know, an idea of what I want to be in five or 10 years? I just honestly, I always think like if you just follow your passions and your values, you'll end up 
where you're supposed to be. And I just, I can't tell you what it's going to be for me in five or 10 years. Like really like just my ultimate goal in this career is to make an impact on like people, the teams that I work with, the brand that I work with, and to always lead with like amazing work and like ethical advertising behavior. And of course, to just run some really cool ads. So that's all I can tell you about the five-year question. That's honestly incredible. I think more people need to hear that it's okay to just be like following your path and not knowing exactly where that's going to go. I haven't really shared about this on the podcast quite yet because it like recently happened, but I reached a point of just like total burnout in my career. And I was just like, what am I going to do next? I have no idea, but I knew at that moment, the right decision was to leave my corporate, my corporate job. And so I did. Um, I don't know how it happened, but like, um, not even two weeks later, I landed my first consulting client. So that's all of that to say, thank you so much. All of that to say, like, you're completely right what's meant for you will find you. I know that sounds like a lot of like woo woo, whatever, but like, it is so, so true. As long as you're staying true to yourself, you're following your passions, you're like following your like intuition, your heart, and like knowing where you just want to be as a human, you'll end up where you need to be in your career. I think that's super important for people to understand and something that like not a lot of people talk about because it's so like, oh my gosh, like you have to know this big plan of like how you're going to work your way up the corporate ladder or how you're going to end up as CMO or what you're going to do next Mm -hmm. or like what company you want to be at or whatever. But you're so It's so true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do this thing at later where um, people leaders will ask people if they want to be a team leader or if they want to be an individual contributor, which just Mm. means that like they're just like a professional at what they do and they don't have any desire to be a team lead, but they want to keep like progressing in their role and being that like professional and like really like expert in that, whatever that role is. Um, And like, I just think that's really great. And like more companies maybe need to do that because I think that there is like this pressure from like the executives or like from like HR, from whoever that you need to be working towards a manager role. And like, if you want that, that's amazing. But if you don't like you, can be this individual contributor kind of thing. Oh my so, gosh. I love that. Yeah. Sounds like later is like the best place ever to work. Is it like so fun? Are you remote or are you in office? We're remote. We're completely wow. remote. We oh don't God. have an office and we have, we have teams, we have hubs, um, one in Vancouver, Toronto, and then one in London and UK. But wow. we have, we have people kind of all over. Like there's someone on my demand generation team that's down in Mexico. We have people in Singapore and Spain. We have people all over, honestly. That is so, so cool. I'm still such a huge fan of later. Love everything that they do, all the content they put out, all the ads, of course, (laughs) give you credit. Um, Amazing. (laughs) Um, Finally, we're wrapping up here. We'd love to ask this question on Marketing Happy Hour. And actually, I know we featured you in our um, Marketing Happy Hour weekly LinkedIn newsletter um, Mm -hmm. where you answered this question already, but I would just love for our listeners to hear it if they haven't caught up on our LinkedIn newsletter. Is there anything that you know now that you wish that you knew when you started your career? Yeah, there's definitely so many things. But I think one of the most important things was like, I mean... I, when you're fresh out of school and you're like, you're in your first job, all you're trying to do is getting as much experience as you possibly can, because all you see are these job descriptions where it says like, 
must have like this skill, this skill, this skill, this skill, this many, like this many years of experience. And it can feel like there's so much pressure to have all these things. And when you're fresh out of school, you don't really have those things yet. So when you get into your first job, I just took on every single project that I possibly could when I was at the agency. And there was no one that was pushing me to take on all these things. Like it, like my boss was very supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And she really wanted me to take on what, whatever I wanted to pursue. But I just became this like, yes person and not yes in a good way, like yes in a toxic way. Because I only had a plate that was like, say like a medium sized plate at work. And I was packing it with like an XXL list of things on this plate that I was trying to do because I was so concerned about learning every single thing. That's how I ended up doing like everything I listed at the beginning of this podcast, like editing websites. That was not my job, <laughs> but I wanted to learn it because I just wanted to be this person that just knew everything. But what can happen is like a few things. You can burn out really quickly because then all of a sudden you, you realize that like, this doesn't fit into an eight hour work day. Um, this fits into a 24 hour work day. Or longer. Um, <laughs> or longer, yes. Um, what else can happen is you become a jack of all trades and a master of none. So you know a ton of things, like the surface level of these things, but you don't have an in-depth understanding of how they work. So those, like, those are one of the two biggest things that can happen. And it can also like, have an effect on like your main work because if you're taking on extra things and they're affecting the main work then that's a problem because of course like these are extra things for your development and they're not they shouldn't be affecting like your day-to-day -day work so making sure that you have capacity for it so making sure that you prioritize things if you decide to take on an additional project that's going to get you a new set of skills deprioritize something else and have that conversation with your manager. Like, again, my, my manager was really supportive. I just never had that conversation with them because I was just like, give me all the stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely do that. Um, that kind of leads into the next thing that I put down here. Development does not mean taking on more work. It can really just mean like focusing on a certain side of your development. And it doesn't need to be like extra work. It can really be like a course with work it then something that ends in like a week or something that ends on that day like it doesn't need to take up more of your work day than it really needs to um and another thing is close your laptop at the end of the work day and do not work on Sundays yeah get ahead. like the Sunday scaries like when you work in agency for example and you've loaded your plate like I did Sunday scaries can really get to you but thing is like we're not saving lives to be honest we work we work in marketing things will, things will go on. The, the world will go on. So it's better to prioritize your rest and like your life outside of work, because obviously during the work day, there's no stopping the work, but you can stop it on the weekend. So close your laptop, have fun, hang out with your friends, go to happy hour and then kill it at work the next day. Yes. Oh my God. Such good advice. I love that. And you know, I, and such a huge proponent of boundaries. And so I love that you hit on that because I remember like in the beginning of my career, I was the same way. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to take on every little thing that comes my yep. way, whether it was like my manager or like somebody else in the company needed help on something totally different. I was like, I need to do that because I think my dad always taught me like be the one that they can't afford to lose. And like mm -hmm. the way that you kind of do that is through like, being that indispensable resource to like everybody in the company, but which is, there's a good element to that, but 
Yeah, you're right. You do need to set boundaries on like what you actually can take on. And like, you want to make sure that you're able to do the actual job that's in front of you and then focus on other things that can help out the company as a whole. Totally, totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we're at the end now. Um, Where can everyone find you, follow along with you, follow along with later and everything that you guys are up to over there. And I know there's a special offer coming. I would love to hear about that too. Yeah. So you can find later on Instagram at later media. I think it's the same handle for our TikTok, our TikTok, honestly. Okay. I don't want to plug later too much, but (laughs) I personally love TikTok and the social team kills the TikTok game. So go check it out. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Alex Liu underscore. Um, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn after I'll send the link. Yes. And I also have a code for everyone. So the code is Lewis 2022 and Lewis is spelled L-E-W-I-S, not the other way. <laughs> and it's two free months on our starter plans. So you can get access to a lot of cool features that we've just released, like scheduling reels so that you social media managers don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. and hit publish. It'll just go automatically. You can schedule your TikToks um, and get access to any new features we have coming up. So definitely check that out. It expires in um, February, 2023. So hop on it and enjoy. Incredible. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. You hit so many good points. I'm so excited for this episode to come out. Like I cannot wait for, I think it comes out in like a couple of weeks, but I cannot wait. Um, and thank you so much for that code that I seriously, if you're out there and you're listening, you've never heard of later, or you've heard of it, but haven't like played around with it at all. Please take advantage of that. It is such a good platform. If you've been on other platforms, I mean, I have explored so many other platforms. I did an entire like research project on platforms and later was one of like my top platforms. So if you are out there and you are looking, take advantage of that free trial. I think that's an amazing offer. So thanks again, Alex. This is amazing. I hope you have a great rest of your night. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Alex for joining Erica for today's episode. I have a full sheet of notes from that conversation. If you loved this week's episode, don't forget to leave your feedback with us in the rating section of your favorite podcast app. And if you don't already, give Alex and Later Media a follow on social media. And while you're at it, don't forget to connect with our community online at Marketing Happy Hour. Appreciate you being here with us today. See you next week.